Degenerates. It is episode four of the Four Stats Podcast. I am your host, Brandon, and this week we'll be talking quarterbacks on the hot seat. There's one particular quarterback in this league that's considered a solid starter that I think should be dropped completely from his team. It may shock you who that is. We'll talk fantasy and give you our uh, daily fantasy lineups for week six, and I'll give you against the spread pick for this week to see if we can ride the winning streak to three straight. My co-host Chase is with me again this week. Say hello to the world, sir. How you doing, everybody? Looks like I'm going to be here every week. That is true, and that's why you are my co-host, if you notice the change in the lingo. <laughs> we have just... Does that, come, does that come for a promotion? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Only entitled, though, sir. Uh, we have just wrapped up the fifth week of the NFL. This episode is going to be slightly different than our past podcast. But as always, we'd love for you to chime in on Twitter at 4StatsPodcast. For those of you that are new listeners, we are a sports podcast that talks sports, sports gambling, and fantasy football. Each week, we give you four unique stats. Some are meant to be informative, some are meant to blow your mind, even controversial, and others are just conversation starters. But this show, we have so much to talk about, so I ask you, Chase, what did you take away from week five of the NFL? This week in NFL, we learned that the NFL is full of haves and have-nots. Right now, there are six teams in the league that are undefeated. New England, Cincinnati, Denver, Atlanta, Green Bay, and Carolina. Also, if you go through the divisions, you see that there are a lot of teams at the bottom and only one or two teams at the top or close to the top. It looks like we won't have a lot of playoff races at the end of the year because right now people are defining their season early, uh, taking a lot of losses. Uh, Just look how bad the AFC South is. Right now, the AFC South only has one team above 500, and that's the Colts. And two of those wins have come with their starting quarterback, Andrew Luck, on the bench. So I really don't have an idea of what's going to happen. If Andrew Luck comes back, they might have four teams under 500. You never know what's going on there. And then also you look at the NFC North. The NFC North has one team that's undefeated, Green Bay. They have five wins. That's one more win than all of the other teams in that league combined together, including Detroit right now that has zero wins with all of that talent. Yeah, that's very good points. I I never really thought about how this is going to impact the playoff race, but and the NFL is known for its parity, yet this doesn't seem like there's a lot of even competition. There seems like there's the very good, the, some of the teams you mentioned, and the very bad. And I would put Detroit in that very bad category. This episode, we're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks, and really so much is made of quarterbacks, and at times I even get tired of hearing about them. But at the end of the day... A quarterback's success is really dependent on how the team does. So I want to talk about the quarterbacks on the hot seat. We may not get to all of them because we don't want this podcast to drag on, but we'll get to many of them as we can. And we'll start right here with Detroit. Uh, Matthew Stadford, do you believe he should be a starter for the Lions? Well, his contract says he's a starter. He's making over $100 million. He just got that big deal. So I have to say that he's a starter. I know that over the last couple of years, he has turned the ball over terribly. But who else would you put in? Um, Their backup is not good. Calvin Johnson is the man on that team. And I'm pretty sure he has some say-so on what goes on around there. And I'm pretty sure benching Matthew Stafford will probably aggravate and piss off, for lack of a better word, a lot of other other players. Yeah, I'm sure. I think it would piss off the, the players and the fan base. But you're asking who the Lions would put in in place of Stadford. Well, I would argue that with Stadford, the Detroit Lions are 0-18 versus winning teams on the road. So they're not beating elite teams even with Stadford. Uh, you talked about his interceptions. 
Uh, he has more interceptions than touchdowns. He has more sacks than touchdowns. And he's leading a team that's 0-5 right now. You mentioned that he has a big contract. I actually think you said $100 million. Uh, he actually has a $53 million contract right now. It's not a long-term contract, so it feels like $100 million. He's actually on pace to make next year. He's going to clear 17. It'll be his big payday, which is why I believe that Detroit should get rid of him at the end of this year. Uh, he, he's not a $17 million quarterback. In fact, that leads me into stat one. Instead of one single stat, I need to start with a statement. No matter how you break down Matt Stafford's numbers, his numbers decline when the team needs him most. His first half numbers are better than his second half numbers. His first quarter numbers are better than the fourth quarter. His third down completion ratio is the lowest of any down. And when the team's trailing with two minutes left in the game, he has a completion ratio of 53.7%. When the game's on his shoulders and his team needs him most, he just doesn't show up. And why would you pay a guy... $17 $17 million when he can't lead the team when they need him. Because he's Matthew Stafford. He is still someone that is looked upon as a leader on that team. You definitely can't bench him this year. You might start to prepare to move on, but who are you going to put in? Dan Orlovsky? He's been in the league for 10 years. He went to the University of UConn, a basketball school. Um, so putting <laughs> him in the game, he has 15 total touchdowns his whole career. Tom Brady might get that in five games. I understand that Stafford is not being productive, but at this point, you have to play him. What does it matter if a team's 0-5? It's not like they're going to contend for this NFC North title. It's not like they're going to contend with the uh, a wild card spot. So what's the harm in letting go of him now and s- saving the money? Because it'll be equivalent to what the Philadelphia Sixers are doing in the NBA It's basically tanking. It's basically telling your fans, we don't care. We don't care about jersey sales. We don't care if you come to the game. No one's showing up to watch Dan throw the ball to Calvin Johnson. They want to see Stafford back there. Stafford is a fiery player. He has, I know that he messes up in the game, but he is still a leader on that team. His team depends on him. His team relies on him. They count on him. So to bench him would basically say, we don't care about the season at all. And, I don't think that they, I think they have more pride than that. Yeah. And I I guess that that is a solid argument for keeping him. The fan base would be upset. They would probably lose out some of some season ticket sales. But again, he's set to make $17 million in 2016 and $16.5 million in 2017. Uh, I just don't see them losing that many sales because of it. Because quite frankly, I don't think this team can win with him. He completes 50% of his passes in the red zone, 56% of his passes in the fourth quarter. And like I mentioned earlier, when they have the ball, they're trailing, there's two minutes or less in the game, he completes 53.7% of his passes. I think Calvin Johnson has really disguised uh, Matt Stafford's flaws. I think that he has a big arm but he has a long delivery he can't really read defenses and when he's been successful he's really just been chucking it up to one of the best wide receivers of our lifetime i definitely think calvin johnson is definitely his makeup uh he definitely covers up all of his flaws um i just don't i just don't think he should be benched um jim caldwell they asked him was he going to bench stafford he said no he's our best He's our best quarterback right now on the team. He was about to say best player, but he caught himself. He said he's our best quarterback on the team. And right now, to start all over and to start fresh, it's very difficult in the NFL. Uh, so I really just think that 
they really just have to stick with these bad apples for right now and hope that things turn around. But I really, I understand them trying to move forward, but I just can't agree with him being benched. All right, well, before we switch subjects, let me ask you, do you believe that the Detroit Lions can win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford as their quarterback? No, I don't believe the Detroit Lions can win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, but I don't think 80% of the NFL can win a Super Bowl with the quarterbacks they have. So <laughs> a Super Bowl quarterback is a rare is a rare item, and a lot of teams don't have it, and of course the Lions don't have it either. What about the Cowboys? Does Do you think that if Roma was in, that the Cowboys would have a chance to win the Super Bowl? I honestly thought the Cowboys were a very, very safe pick for the Super Bowl this year. Um I really think that they did mess up by letting DeMarco go and DeMarco messed up by leaving. But their quarterback situation is, if it's ever been a toss-up, it's definitely a toss-up now. With Romo gone, you have Whedon there, and then they also signed Castle. Castle is expected to start after the bye week. Um, I do agree with the quarterback change because I think you need to have a different a different voice in the huddle. Right now, Whedon is 0-11 as a starter. He has never won a cow a game as a Cowboy quarterback, and he's got his chances because Romo is always down and injured. So I guess you should give Castle a chance. Uh, after Castle left New England, he hasn't really proved much. But once again, the Cowboys have nothing to lose at this point. They're not going to win with Whedon back there. So putting putting in a change, uh, adding Castle in, they could have opportunity to maybe spark a little something uh, to gain a couple of wins, and hopefully Romo can come back towards the end of the season. Yeah, uh, it was just in the news today. Uh, that Whedon was actually really pissed off by his benching. I think that that was the quote, was pissed. But I don't know how he couldn't see this coming. He hasn't looked like a quarterback at all. He seems like he's too scared to even take chances to move the ball down the field. Uh, Maybe he doesn't trust his wide receivers, which I would have a hard time trusting these wide receivers. You're talking about um, Beasley and Terrence Williams. These aren't guys that you're going to just throw the ball up to and – believe that they're going to be the ones that come down with it and in the NFL you can't limit yourself to the first five yards in front of you or you're going to get shut down like they did against the New England Patriots I lost count of the number of three and outs that team has and all they were doing was playing the first five yards from the line of scrimmage because they didn't believe Whedon would go atop of him so even though Matt Castle has only been on this team I believe two weeks or so he is going into the bye week and even if he doesn't have the full playbook at least he'll use the full field. But if you're a wide receiver, would you trust Brandon Whedon? Uh, would you run your fastest knowing that the ball is getting dumped down to your running back every time because he can't read the defense so he doesn't know if you're open or not? Brandon Whedon has basically choked away his opportunity. He's been given a great opportunity. Of course, he wouldn't be Romo's successor. He's already 30, and he hasn't been in the NFL that long. And Romo, they're the same age, just one's good and one's bad. So Whedon really messed up his opportunity to, to basically earn an NFL check for the rest of his life as a solid backup. Oh, yeah, he, he absolutely lost that chance. Uh, that leads me into step two. Uh, Brandon Whedon has only thrown the ball 10-plus yards on 14% of his dropbacks. That's 30% less than the game manager of Alex Smith. Now, we talk about Alex Smith being a guy that manages the game and doesn't take any chances, but Whedon is well below him on passes down the field. It looks like we're in agreement that Matt Castle gives the Dallas Cowboys the best chance to win. It's not much of a better chance, but I'll roll the dices with Castle before I stick with Whedon anymore. 
I guess that's where we do disagree. I think that the team has a much better chance with Castle because it's not like Whedon was running for his life back there. He has one of the best offensive lines in front of him. He still has Witten as a safety blanket. And if you establish the run, things should open up in the pass game. So I think that Matt Castle could be significantly better than Whedon. Obviously, I don't expect him to produce the way that uh, Romo would be able to because I do believe that Romo is actually a future Hall of Famer. And he's just a special talent. But I just believe that Castle will give the Cowboys a better chance to win this year. Castle definitely will get the green light. I just don't know how bright that green light is. It's kind of dim and flickering a little bit. But his light is green. It's not red. Castle is definitely the better option. Well, if we're we're using that analogy, I think the Kansas City Chiefs uh, light went from yellow to absolutely red going nowhere this season with Jamal Charles going down. So that will lead us into the third quarterback discussion for this episode. If you had your choice between Alex Smith and Chase Daniels, who are you starting for this Kansas City team? I have to start Chase Daniels. Um, First of all, you need to blame Urban Meyer for this. Urban Meyer fooled us a long time ago when Utah was the bracket buster and they won that BCS championship and he convinced everybody that Alex Smith should be drafted. And the 49ers drafted him. You know what happened when Jim Harbaugh got there? He realized that he was a fraud, and he shipped him to Andy Reid. Andy Reid is supposed to be this quarterback saver. Everybody thinks that he's this offensive guru. Alex Smith is not an NFL starter. They always say he's athletic. Where? Who has he ran past? The last time I've seen him run was when he made that big play in the NFC Championship game uh, for uh, for for the 49ers. But other than that, he hasn't done much. I don't think that Alex Smith is an NFL starter. I think that he should definitely be a backup. People always use this term game manager. A game manager without many weapons around him is just an extra person, <laughs> a lineman. or He's just not needed. And I don't think that Alex Smith is an NFL quarterback on any caliber. And I think everyone is beginning to see this. And they would see it even more if he starts this week now that they've lost Charles. I would feel comfortable, I guess is the the nicest word I could use, if I had a really solid defense and a great running game with Alex Smith as my quarterback because I know that he's not going to take any chances. I know he's not going to lose the game for us. So if I did have an established defense like Kansas City did in the last couple of years and I did have Jamal Charles, who's one of the best backs in the NFL today, I, I have no problem with Alex Smith being my starter. Now that they are 1-4, they're behind the Raiders. They have no chance of catching the 5-0 Denver Broncos. I, I have to agree with you. I'm not a fan of Chase Daniels at all, but why not put him in there and at least know what you have? Uh, I was shocked to see that Chase Daniels has spent seven years in the NFL. Uh, it just seems like yesterday he was at uh, it was Missouri, I believe. I mean, seven years, he's done absolutely nothing. So I, I guess it's it's time to see what he's made of. I'm not expecting anything. I don't. And in our previous example, we were talking about Whedon and Castle, and I expect Castle to make the Dallas Cowboys better. Chase Daniels, do I expect him to make the Chiefs any better? No. Without Jamal Charles, I don't see what Alex Smith can do with that offense at all. So you might as well put somebody in there that's willing to throw the ball. I think putting Chase Daniels in is an excellent idea. If you look at it, the Chiefs have just, all they did was go and steal all of the Eagles wide receivers. They have Avant and they have Macklin now, which both were playmakers when they were playing for the Eagles. So if you get Avant, Macklin, and then you have DeAnthony Thomas on that team, if someone's willing to throw those people the ball, then they might be able to make some plays for you down the field. 
Alex Smith couldn't get those people the ball. And just think about it. I know you remember Dwayne Bowe, uh, the big-time wide receiver for Kansas City. Alex Smith basically ruined his career. I'm not saying that he, when he sees them in the street, he should beat them up. But he should be pretty pissed off because Alex Smith's ability not to get the phone, the, excuse me, not to get the ball down the field has definitely hindered his career. And now I think he plays for Cleveland, and he's probably in a similar situation. <laughs> Uh, Dwayne Bowe, he did seem like he had the talent to be special in the NFL. And Alex Smith, I mean, it's not hard to find numbers that prove everything that we're saying. The numbers that I've really enjoyed looking at for this podcast were when they had the ball and they were trailing. In this case, when Alex Smith had the ball and his team was trailing with less than four minutes left, he completed 54% of his passes. And to make matters worse, his yards per attempt were 5.6, which is about as low as you'll ever see in the NFL. And for somebody who is a quote-unquote game manager and doesn't turn over the ball, when trailing with four minutes left, he had eight touchdowns to 12 interceptions. So when he was forced to throw the ball, he did turn it over. And also, if you look at his splits by month, something that stood out was he gets worse every month from September to October to November. As the season goes, you need to get stronger, not worse. So I, I, I guess we're both in agreement that it's it's time for Alex Smith to go down and at least see what you have behind him. Certainly. When the leading rusher in the NFL averages more yards per carry than your quarterback averages throwing, it's time to make a change. Now, I don't believe that your quarterback has to be the best athlete, but I'm not sure if the better athlete always means the better quarterback. So let's go to San Francisco. Uh, do you believe that Colin Kaepernick should be the quarterback of the 49ers this year definitely Colin Kaepernick should be the quarterback of the 49ers he has Blaine Gabbert behind him and right now I don't know if you remember Blaine Gabbert from Jacksonville but he was a doormat Um, he got sacked a million times he couldn't get the ball to anybody and I think he'll be in the same situation in San Francisco their offensive line is not that strong so if you put him back there He's going to be a doormat again. They're going to start leading the league in sacks allowed. At least Kaepernick gives you an opportunity to extend plays. Kaepernick has not been playing well, and, I mean, it's pretty fair. He just lost his coach, Jim Harbaugh. That's the guy that gave him the starting job. That's the guy that believed in him. So now he's in a whole new situation where he's building back confidence, uh, not to mention that they don't have the talent that they had before. He had Frank Gore behind him. I like Carlos Hyde. I think he will be a young stud, but the line is not that good. And the high gore combination was pretty effective uh, the previous year. So I'm really not buying into having uh, Kaepernick uh, bench right now. I still think Kaepernick is a great talent. He has a very strong arm. His accuracy is my biggest concern, but Blaine Gabbard is not an NFL quarterback at all. I'm really not sure how these people get these jobs. I'm not sure if, the quarterback pool is getting smaller and smaller, but these backup quarterbacks are pretty bad. That could be a topic for another show. I, I do want to uh, expand on that thought just a little bit more. Today's, not just the NFL, but in today's football, passing is everything. The spread offense is everywhere throughout college football. Quarterbacks are being developed at a young age. You would expect a much higher quality of second string quarterbacks than what we are discussing today. But like you, I've been kind of surprised that there have been people calling for Kaepernick. I didn't bring this up because I wanted to do to Kaepernick as what I did to Stafford and just call for his his demise in San Francisco. I brought this up because I'm hearing the rumblings that people want Kaepernick 
to be sat down, and I just can't understand it. When looking into these statistics, there is nothing you can find about Gabbert to like. In fact, one of my favorite lines that I read this week preparing for the show was, Football Outsiders measured uh, Gabbert's rookie season as the fifth worst season they've ever measured using their statistics. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know why you'd be calling for him when at least Kaepernick has some upside. Gabbert's career completion ratio is 53%. He has 23 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. He only throws it 5.6 yards at attempt, which is lower than Alex Smith, which is lower than Brandon Whedon. I just don't see any upside with him at all. And like you, I'm not sure how he has a job. I'm starting to believe that uh, the second string quarterback in the NFL is a pretty cushy gig. The second string quarterback job is definitely looking like the backup kicker. (laughs) Uh, These second string quarterbacks have not been good at all this season. Um, The only people that have actually shown some kind of uh, chance of actually being a starter is Matt Hasselback, and he's 40, so you're crazy for putting him back there for, for 16 games. And then also Michael Vick, and they're trying to get Big Ben back as quick as possible. They had him doing 7-on-7 seven seven drills today, and Michael Vick was a star in the NFL at one point. So I really think the backup, you're more you're being demoted. Uh, I think the backup quarterback job in the NFL is you're really just a clipboard holder and the coach's best friend, I guess. Yeah, I, it would depend on what my team was. If I was a championship team, I would want a game manager behind it. And if I was in the building process to seeing how good I could be, I would want a complete wild card for my second string if given that my choice, that or Gabbert. I, I don't want a loser back there. I, maybe I can find lightning in a bottle, but you know what he is. Um, in his last 10 starts, he's 0-10. Let me give you his career record as a starter. He went 3 and 12 in 2011, 1 and 9 in 2012, 0 and 3 in 2013. His career record is 4 and 24. In Gabbert's 28 starts, he led his team to 24 plus points only twice in his whole career. If you can't lead an offense, you can't be a quarterback in the NFL. Lead an offense? How about lead a team? Who's going to buy into Gabbert? Um what has he accomplished? What bright spot has he shown uh, for you to want to buy into him? And he came from Jacksonville. Nothing good comes from Jacksonville. San Francisco does have weapons at wide receiver that uh, maybe a lot of people aren't willing to recognize. But Vernon Davis, who's been out at tight end, is a huge weapon that, of Kaepernick's. And they do have the aging Bolden. And they brought over Torrey Smith from uh, Baltimore. And I can never remember his his name, but the guy from Australia, the rugby player that has a lot of hype around him is there too. So they definitely have playmakers. Maybe he should be the backup quarterback, (laughs) the Australian guy. Um, He doesn't go down with the first tackle. So maybe they should go wildcat. (laughs) That that doesn't seem like a bad idea, especially when I think of Gabbard being behind center. Fantasy football talk. Now that we've just finished talking about who we have in and out starting at quarterback and who should be benched, let's go ahead and talk about who we have in this week for our draft lineups. I'm going ahead and start at my quarterback. I'm going to put Tom Brady in. Stat three. In regular games this season, Colin Kaepernick has fewer touchdown passes and more interceptions than Tom Brady had in three postseason games last year. That's just piggybacking on the discussion that we just had about how Colin Kaepernick, he's going to keep his job, but 
We really don't know for how long. Also, when you want to go to running backs, I have at running backs, I have Deion Lewis and I also have a wild card. I'm also starting West from the Chiefs this year um, at the running back because, I mean, this week at the running back position due to the injury of Charles. He is my wild card. Uh, who do you have at your quarterback and at your two running backs? I may get a laugh from you here. After saying everything I did about Matthew Stafford, I still took him as my fantasy quarterback this week because out of anything, he's a numbers guy. He has a lot to prove. He's playing the Bears defense, and he still has Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate. So I, after saying everything I did about Matthew Stafford, Hypocrite. <laughs> he's going to try to put up those numbers, and I got him at $5,300. As for running backs, I took Arian Foster against the Jacksonville defense. Doug Martin destroyed them last week. Arian Foster is a superior back and should do the same. Um, I also took Danny Woodhead, who is a PPR machine playing in Green Bay. They may be down and need to put up a lot of points. Out comes Gordon and comes Woodhead. Lots of points there. Well, my theme this week was to take as many Patriots as possible. I don't know if you know, but they play the Colts this they pay the Colts this week, and they're going to have a rematch of Deflategate. And I'm pretty sure that the New England franchise, they never forget anything. And they're going to probably prove to them that we can beat you with pumped up balls or flat balls. So at wide receiver, I have Julian Edelman, and then I also have James Jones. Also, I took a little risk. I got Rodney White this week also from the for the Falcons. I was about to say the Hawks basketball season's coming. For the Falcons, um, finally, they're going to start triple-teaming Julio, and Julio is injured. I'm pretty sure he'll play, but I'm pretty think, I'm pretty sure that White will start to get off. Yeah, I actually do like the Roddy White pick. I, when I was researching this week, uh, I was between Hankerson and Roddy White in another league, and doing the research, I saw that Roddy White played uh, significantly more snaps than Hankerson, so I think that's actually a really sharp pick. However, for my wide receivers, I took T.Y. Hilton. Uh, for a lot of the things you said about the Patriots, I think that it is going to be a shootout type of game, and I'll take T.Y. Hilton for the Colts. Uh, I took Alshon Jeffries, who is questionable, and if he does not start, I will post on Twitter who my substitution is. Uh, for my third wide receiver, I went ahead and stacked it with Matthew Stadford. Um, I took Golden Tate. I would like Calvin Johnson, but the money just didn't work out. And Tate has had a unusually quiet season thus far. Uh, so maybe this is in his breakout game and I can jump up on points to that. And for a tight end, I completely agree with you that the Patriots are going to have a lot to prove with all this deflate gate. So I took uh, Rob Gronkowski at $7,600 at tight end. And I think it'd probably be the only time this year. I think he's worth the money. Well, certainly. I went ahead and finished my roster out with a bang also. I took Antonio Gates. Phillip Rivers made it pretty obvious last week. He's throwing Gates the ball often and definitely in the red zone. He definitely scored two touchdowns. He will get Gates the ball. That's his guy. That's his favorite person on the team. Also, I went and got Matt Forte uh, for the for the Bears. Matt Forte does everything. He runs, catches, and he's the best offensive threat on that team. And then I finished it up with a solid defense. I went ahead and took the Bengals. I found out that Tyrod Taylor probably won't be starting. EJ Emanuel will be starting back there at quarterback. And EJ Emanuel is not too far from Blaine Gabbard <laughs> if you haven't been following over following him over his career. So I went ahead and took Cincy's defense. I really want to be passionate about this next pick in my flex. I think uh, Vereen for the Giants is an absolute must start in these daily fantasy leagues. Uh, Beckham may be out. Ruben Randall may be out. Victor Cruz is still going to be out. 
that's all their wide receivers. Somebody has to catch the ball in that offense, and it will be Vereen, who has proven himself as a uh, pro- prolific pass catcher out of the backfield, and he was only $4,200. To round out my team, I took the Texans defense uh, because Jacksonville still can't score, even though Blaine Gabbard is not their quarterback anymore. So those are our fantasy lineups uh, for week six. You actually beat me by 1.4 points last week to take the two to one heads up uh, advantage. So I'm looking to get back to even. Good job last week. Uh, I believe you had Doug Martin, which was the steal of week five. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. A win's a win. I'll take them how I can get them. Every week we want to give you a against the spread winner. And that time is now. Next week, not this week, Jacksonville... And the Buffalo Bills will face off in London. So why are we talking about next week for this week's against the spread winner? Well, there's a big reason. Since the international London game started in 2007, there has been 12 games to take take place across the pond. Now, since the teams have to travel, they get a bye week either before or after. Traditionally, the bye week was before the trip, and this year it switched to after. They are trying to justify a London team in the NFL, but it can't be done. It's too much wear on a team that has to travel that far. It's passports. It's an exciting new trip. It's just different for these NFL players. Stat 4. Teams that go to London that play either the week prior or the week after London are just 7-17 and straight up. When the team that goes to London loses, it's a margin of 17 points a game. So that applies to this uh, Houston-Jacksonville game this week. Jacksonville heads off to London next week. Uh, They're looking ahead. They're thinking about the travel plans. And as history has shown, in that situation, that team is only 7-17, and and they lose by an average of 17 points a game. Uh, To put that in perspective for you, the team that's about to go to London or just got back has scored 271 points since the introduction of this London game. Their opponents have scored 514. That's why this week's against the spread pick is the Houston Texans over the Jacksonville Jaguars. We went against the Jaguars last week and nailed it. It's pretty easy to do to keep picking on the Jaguars, but we did break that down pretty well. We said Doug Martin would be able to run on this defense without Paul Pelesny, and now it's Arian Foster's turn. This Texas defense has not been good, but Jacksonville offense never is. And we know that the Texans defense at least has superstar talent. I expect another blowout by a team that's looking ahead, take the Houston Texans, as a pick em against the Jags, and hopefully we'll be 3-1 and one by the end of the week. Are you with me on this one? I'm always going against Jacksonville. We just talked about Blaine, about them drafting Blaine Gabbard. They also drafted, um, I forgot who the Blackman. It's just a franchise of losers. I, sorry, I hate to say that. Um, the people in Jacksonville, I, I love you. <laughs> it's nice weather down there, but... Your football team should move to LA. <laughs> I'm sure that's the last thing they want to hear, but as bad as that team has been in Jacksonville, I certainly would hope it could be better in Los Angeles in that market. <laughs> well, it's time to get to the final period. I'm tired of it. The NFL should be tired of it, and the players are tired of it. It's time for them to change this catch rule. It should be common sense. Uh, the Calvin Johnson rule, if you catch the ball and you fall to the ground and you have to get back up with the ball having full possession, it's a horrible rule. Uh, the Redskins the Redskins game was another example of when that rule should not have been in play. Devontae Johnson easily scored that touchdown, extended the ball over the goal line, and when he fell to the ground, the ball came out. 
He crossed the plane. It was over. It's a common sense rule. Dez caught the ball last year. Calvin Johnson caught the ball two, three years ago. It's a common sense rule. It's time for it to go. I always want the final period to be all you, but I could not agree more. I think you meant to say Devontae Freeman, uh, but there's nothing more frustrating when a football player makes a football move to help his team gain another yard, and suddenly that takes it from a complete pass to an incomplete pass because he, he went for another yard. I I couldn't agree with you more. That's a great final period. Hopefully this is the final period on that conversation, and the NFL makes that rule change at the end of the next year. That is all for us. We are still looking for sponsors. If you want to advertise or even be a guest on the program, please email us at 4stats4success at gmail. Otherwise, follow us by searching 4stats podcast on Facebook or add us on Twitter at 4stats podcast. We will return next week with another winning ticket for you degenerates. Until then, take care. Good night, everybody.